are the AAALC and we welcome everyone to our conversation. This will be a relaxed and open dialogue to give others a small window into how we feel and think. If you have, if you want to reach us, please reach us at AAALC at albertsons.com uh, or the diversity webpage, our SharePoint site. Send us questions, input, or, or sign up to join or even support starting your own branch of the AAALC. Uh, the current topic this week, uh, suggested by Remar and the rest of the group agreed, current affairs. And basically we titled it same old, same old, because after we've had, we had the, the podcast with the joint uh, idea council and Asian network about stop Asian hate. Here we go again with more shootings. And we also had the Derek Chauvin verdict that popped up. So let's just go into it. Today we have three guests that hopefully will become permanent members. They're already permanent members on the AAALC. Um, we have Monique, Jerica, and Lamont. So uh, Monique, won't you start out and introduce yourself? Great, uh, thanks Elmer. My name is Monique Leneau. I lead the HR team in the Mid-Atlantic Division. I joined Albertsons about six months ago, so pretty new to the organization. Um, who I am, uh, I, I view myself, I'm a truth teller. You know, I'm pretty passionate about shifting the cultural landscape and changing the mindset that people have uh, to do better. So that's a little bit about me. Lamont? My name is Lamont. I, I work in uh, asset protection. I'm the compliance auditor for the Denver division. I've been with the company uh, 15 years and uh, that's about it. Jerrica? Hi guys, my name is Jerrica Langlis. I am in the Mid-Atlantic area. I'm the recruiting manager and talent acquisition lead here for the Mid-Atlantic area. So uh, my job is hiring a ta talent from externally and internally, looking at diverse talent that comes from our every force from, you know, um, internally hourly associates down to our external associates to come in. Um, I'm also doing a separate project, which is interesting. I'm actually on the pharmacy um, tech hiring project, and I have a team that's working on the COVID staffing for our stores throughout the nation. So I've been with the company for about five years, and I'm enjoying my time and learning a lot. So I'm, I'm, a, I'm enjoying this conversation, so we'll see. How is everyone feeling after the verdict yesterday and after, you know, after these past two, three weeks, two, three months, whatever it's been? How's everyone feeling? I'm going to go with Jerrica first. Do you want Monique, do you want to go first? Or, or Monique, you know. I'll Monique go first. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you. Um, you know, it's it's interesting. I've, I've been asked that question a lot in the last 24 hours. How do you feel? And I had to really process it. You know, yesterday I was at my house. I was with my family, my partner, and my seven-year-old son. And we were just glued to the television, waiting, pretty anxious. And... You know, ultimately, once we heard the verdict, it was like it felt like it was like a blessing, but broken and you feel like sadness and it's like a level of balance and imbalance. Like there was like a flood of emotions. I feel like it's a win in terms of like, OK, there was accountability for a bad behavior that ended someone's life. But it was hard to say, like, I felt celebratory because it was more so relief that the system right got it right. But I also felt like it should not take, sorry, I have um, great lighting, right? Good for efficiency, bad for a person. I, I felt like relief, but it was, was not celebratory because someone lost a family member. They're not coming back um, at all. So 
it's a, it's a lot relief with a lot of sadness, you know, explaining to a seven year old who I think was here before and had all these questions, you know, it's a lot. It's just a lot. I just felt we have a lot of work still to do, but I'm appreciative that accountability happened. But definitely I didn't feel celebratory, but felt relief. Yeah, I, I, thanks for sharing. And I completely agree with you just saying relief because, you know, for so many other instances before, the verdict has not come out this way. And what I was feeling when I was talking to different people, they'd be like, I would not be surprised if he is not, he is uh, announced not guilty. And people are like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. And honestly, for me, I was more surprised that he got all three, all three counts. He was convicted as guilty. I was like, wait a minute, is this really happening right now? And that's where I was at. So I think for me directly, I um, stopped working. I was like, I, I have CNN on all the time. I'm working from home. And I'm all like, what's going on with the news? And I remember I texted him. I was like, the verdict's in. <laughs> I was like, I had a little bit anxiety because we did a check-in with our team prior to that. And I think the natural thought process is that we've seen this recur multiple times and it has not worked out for um, Black Americans' favor. And when we're like, this is clear. It's very understood that this person did not do anything to deserve to be their life to be taken away. And multiple times in the last 10 years, it has not been the verdict we needed as a community universally. So I look at it as like a next step, right? for us, what's gonna happen next? And that's sentencing. And that's really making sure they understood what the impact will do and then change. And I think the big thing about this case is that the diverse juries was a big part of it. You just didn't have a jury pool of just white Americans. You had a very diverse jury pool that all came into collective agreement pretty quickly and said, we need to stop this as a community, as a nation. So it's giving you hope as, an, as a young American, but you never know. So Lamont. How did you feel about it? Uh, you know, I felt, you know, just like just like the other um, individuals that I was, you know, relieved that that there was justice. It's very rare. It's been a rare occurrence where a police officer has been convicted on all counts. Um, but at the same time, you know, there was a life lost that that family, the Floyd family, never get their loved one back. And then on the flip side that you know the officer he just destroyed his life as well so you had two lives that are destroyed in multiple lives like his family the floyd family it just ripples you know just from from one instance and um so it's just it, i really don't think there's any winners i mean i'm relieved that you know that there was justice but in the end you know it's still been a lot of damage done yeah, that's a good point. Um, one thing that I was kind of uh, made aware of is that verdict is a one of a kind verdict. It's the first verdict where a police officer was uh, was tried and convicted of murder without shooting somebody. That may have uh, helped the verdict, I think, because it wasn't quick. It wasn't self-defense. It, it was, you know, nine, nine and a half minutes sitting there being filmed. And that, to me, that, that made all the difference, unfortunately. You know, Lamont, it's interesting you said the video. Another thought I had was, oh my God, 
there was a little girl who videotaped this whole thing. A little, mm-hmm. she's a teenager, right? She's and all, 17. She's 17 years old, who ultimately was the catalyst for, to, to a large degree for where we are because so many other cases weren't videotaped with level of clarity, but it was a child. And when she testified, the fact that she has this tremendous guilt that she felt like she didn't do enough just mm-hmm. made me start to begin. We have this verdict, but so many lives are forever changed in addition to the person who's convicted, in addition to George Floyd who lost his life. You know, there are all the other people who didn't choose to be there, if you will, especially a 17-year-old girl. And I always keep saying, and not in jest, she held her hand so steady for a long period of time, witnessing somebody being killed. I think that's that's a lot. Yeah. And Monique, you know what's impeccable is that there was another gentleman who was actually a witness, and the process, the defense team decided to probably categorize him as an angry black man, and he would yep. refuse. <laughs> that man did a good job. I was like, he go did. ahead. He refused. Yeah. He just let them categorize him because he was like, no, I sat there. It was more pleading. I pleaded for him. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, it was obvious we didn't we didn't uh, create. Um, one one thing we lead with as as black folks is our emotion, and during that whole scene, no one got overly emotional. There was no nobody charging the police or throwing things or going crazy. It was a constant plea of, "Hey, this man can't breathe. You're doing these things wrong." So I, to to categorize him as an angry black man just because he was vocalizing what everybody else was feeling, mm-hmm. I, I think that was wrong. Paul, what about you? You know, it, it's interesting because I, I, we were on a communications call when the verdict came through. Um, so our whole team was just on a video call and everybody just muted while it was coming through. And it was exactly what Lamont said, which was, you feel, you. I felt relief, but not relief that, um, that he'd been convicted, right? It was, it was that, justice had been done and this is what should happen in every trial it, it shouldn't it shouldn't matter right the second part was yeah he's he's ruined not only his life he's ruined the lives of actually of the other three officers that were with him as well um you know i think about that and i don't know that there's any real defense for them except for you know there was one there i think he was a rookie he'd been there for what is it like a week or a month and I mean, I think he didn't he say um, didn't didn't he say, hey, you know, maybe you should let him breathe or something. But I don't think he knew what to do in that case. I mean, he was brand new on the job. He had no idea yet. He's going to be held accountable for that. And I and I, I don't know that one. That one. Um, that one struck. I struggle with that one a little bit. But I'm glad that justice was done. But it, again, it's ambivalence. It, it's yes, this is great. The verdicts come through the way it should have. But at the same time. How can you celebrate something when somebody's lost a life and a family have lost a father? Um, so it's it, that that was hard for me. Uh, yeah, um, something that I think all of you guys were just talking about. Just you know, the girl that recorded the video, seventeen. You think about her life will never be the same you think about the trauma that she has now from um you know not only just watching that with her eyes but watching it replayed over and over from the video that she took 
and then all the people that were around there, and even us, I'm sure most of us have seen the video or seen similar videos to that where, you know, we we see what's happening and we kind of already think we know what the outcome is going to be and we're surprised when it's a positive outcome. And it's like, you, you have to think about that trauma that we are not only as African-Americans, but just people in this country when we're seeing uh, police officers and people that are sworn to protect us who aren't protecting us. And I know it's not every police officer that's doing this, but it's like, what can you do if the system doesn't protect you? So. I think that's one of the issues that, that we, we have to fight with. I mean, every we've got four other situations that we could talk about right now off the top. We could talk about the Toledo case. We could talk about uh, Micaiah that just happened yesterday. Um, we could talk about uh, Karan, the lieutenant. I've been listening to you guys, and um, I tell you, I, I think I'm probably the oldest in the group right now uh, on the podcast. And uh, it's it's both heartbreaking that uh, you know I'm thinking back to my my youth, and I'm thinking back to you know when will this stuff ever end? And you know finding a solution is not easy, and trying to educate people is not easy because people have to want to change. And there are some families that um, hold on. You, you can you tell them at school. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> you're with um, your workers, your second round of calls. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, you're gonna hear some toppers in a minute. Uh, but the fact that um, you know that um, this is, I, I do believe it's taught. I agree with Paul that people are not born and they come. You know that that's their whole mission when they come out. No, people are taught, and this behavior is learned and trained. And it's just sad. And I don't have the answers. And and quite frankly, I'm getting very fatigued about it because I think about my granddaughter, five years old, growing up in this world. And, and you know, we haven't made it a better place for them. Matter of fact, it's, it's in, in a lot of cases, it's worse because people, you know, whites have gotten away with so much as far as how they have, you know, just, just, try to make us feel less than who we are and deprive of us deprive us of opportunities so it's 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 a little sad and frustrating at the same time and i, I just don't have an answer but it, it is um it is too much you know as far as i've lived longer than some of you on most of you on this call so that's why i say i come from a different perspective it's just enough is enough and i'm just tired and fatigued I want to say the funny thing about it, you know, I was saying before, my parents came from the Caribbean and they have a very different relationship with America than I do, right? They look at America as like the land of opportunity because when they came here, they had nothing and they, they got everything they needed. They put their kids through college and this and that. And I'm like, I don't know if I have the same experience, you know? <laughs> so it definitely doesn't feel the same because I am an immigrant child and I, I, I see what goes on. I understand that the ideology from America can do that, but it hasn't done justice to do that for people of our race and generally, and women too, like black women in general, so. So why don't we segue into maybe some more of the other 
situations that, that came up in the last week. Which one do you want to hit, Remar? Which one do you think? Because I remember you mentioned um, something. You said Quran? The military one? Or two? Yeah. There were two of those that happened this week. Quran, well, Quran Navarro was, was the military brother that... Yeah, so he got pulled over, but then there was also this, this black kid that was walking in this neighborhood, and this guy told oh, that him that he, he was in the wrong neighborhood. Yeah. And turns out he he's uh, army, but turns out his boss's boss's boss is a black man, and <laughs> he got some very healthy uh, pre- uh, repercussions from what he did. I think the I think his title is like brigadier general of something, some military unit was his boss, and he saw the video and he was like, oh no. We're not doing that no more. And something happened. But it's like I I've heard a lot of you know protests to equal rights and to the Black Lives Matter movement about it's it's disrespectful to the military or whatever whatever um, what am I trying to say? When Colin Kaepernick was protesting, they were saying it was disrespectful to the flag. But then you see videos coming out of people in military uniform who aren't, who we can't see that they're doing anything wrong, but they're still being persecuted. And I'm like, was it about the flag or was it just another rebuttal to um, us speaking up about the atrocities that we've been dealing with for years and years? And I just want to, you know, pose that question to you guys. What do you guys think about when you see people active duty military or retired military that have been going through this where there's people that are saying um, us protesting is disrespecting the flag and doing stuff like that. What do you guys think about that? Well, I think it's, uh, you know, it's been proven in history that um, black uh, military uh, personnel have, you know, fought in wars and then have come to this, you know, come back home and have been mistreated. And I mean, it still goes on. I mean, you know, maybe we don't hear about it as much, but, um, you know, they too receive, you know, the same treatment as any other, you know, person in America. Um, They're not excluded because they're in uniform, but I think it's, I think it's it's a little bit, it's it's, it's definitely hurtful because I mean, they, they put their life on the line for the red, white and the blue. And yet, you know, they're not treated fairly you know, in this country. And, and it's, uh, my, my father was a military, uh, former military man, Vietnam vet, all of that. And, you know, they were racism in the military as well, you know, when, when he was in there and, you know, and then coming back home and, um, having to deal with it. So it's, uh, it's, it's an issue just like, you know, it's a social issue that needs to be addressed. I didn't fight in any war or anything like that, but, um, my time in in the navy and i was stationed on a ship and i was uh stationed in california in san diego and i did travel um out of the country uh by ship but i i can honestly say i did not uh where i worked the people i engaged with even in boot camp i didn't experience uh racism uh yeah, we had, you know, whites, we had Hispanics, we had Filipinos. Uh, I mean, we had 
you know, people of def different backgrounds that we were serving side by side with. And I, 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 me personally, I never saw color because I knew that these were the very people that I had to depend on if something happened and I needed someone <clears throat> to defend me, especially when we were out of the country. So I, my experience, um, I, I didn't have that with racism, but I do understand that it is something that's pretty personal to a lot of individuals who have served the country, who have fought in wars, and then to come back to the to their home uh, and to experience uh, people looking at them funny or or just stereotyping them just because of the color of the skin. So I can see where it does happen and how someone can feel. And uh, but you know I. I'm I'm proud of the flag. I'm proud of my service to the country. And I'm just not proud of how the people who we were fighting for uh, have just treated us. That's what I'm not proud of. I love the conversation. Thank you. Thank you for creating this space. It's appreciated. Yeah, I think you're welcome. And I think uh, this is a great time to just wrap it up. It's been super awesome just having all these conversations. Anyone else want to add anything before we sign off? I would just like to say that uh, you know there is a shortage of uh, volunteers across America, and and I think that the George Floyd uh, incident actually ignited people to actually get more involved and uh, just continue to do that. You know, continue to get involved in your communities to get involved with you know the ARGs and just just be active you know it's a legacy that 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 will pay dividends in the future I, I just want to add on to what Lamont said real real really really quickly which was when they showed the verdict and I saw it on CNN because it was the first channel I flipped to um what I saw in the I don't I don't know if celebrations is the right word but we'll just call it that um in the celebrations was that it wasn't just African Americans it was all colors were there and and so that made me feel better i, I you know about it. it was like okay it, it's good to see that this is all coming together and that's the way it should be that's what I'll say. the one final thing that i'll say is that although this was a positive verdict i know that this is just the start and we got much long much more things to go through before we can fix the issue of systematic racism, but this is definitely a step in the right direction. Yep, absolutely. So I guess the easiest way for people to, to sign up for an ARG is to uh, go to the SharePoint sites, uh, go to the diversity homepage. Uh, I'm sure we have a sign up out there, Paul, right? Yep, just go to the diversity homepage. It's on all of the division homepages. If you're listening from a division, it's on the corporate homepage. There's a big banner there. And then uh, it's just a link at the top of the page. Looking to join an associate resource group. It takes about 30 seconds to fill out. Perfect. And come come to our site. Uh, obviously, you're <laughs> listening to the podcast. so. Uh, but the most important thing, it, it doesn't matter if you're African-American. You don't have to be African-American to join the AAALC. In fact, we'd encourage you to do it. Right? Absolutely. And you guys can't see our faces, so Adam and Paul are not. <laughs> they, they are not. 
in you, you can it's okay you can call us white <laughs> <laughs> he is not you here. are not poc right <laughs>